Happy Pride and welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. Woo, that's right. Um, <laughs> I love my woo people in the back. <laughs> uh, my name is Reverend Aaron Walter. It is my honor and joy to serve as your interim minister for joy and justice. My pronouns are she, her. My family comes from an English and Czech background. And I have one more service after this one with you, so I'm savoring every moment. (laughs) Unitarian Universalism is a faith dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. Today, it is with great delight that I share the service with folks who were part of the Transgender Inclusion in Congregations program. So some of you are leading this service today, and we are blessed to hear from those folks. And so today I just invite you to open your hearts deeply wherever you are on the journey about gender, whatever your understanding is about um, the justice work in Texas around um, transgender rights, um, to open your heart today to what our folks have to share and ask yourself where it might open up more joy and more truth and more love in your own life. At this time, as is our tradition here at First UU Austin, whether you are at home greeting each other in the comments or here, I invite you to greet the holy and say hello to each other. Good morning. morning. My name is Maria Person, and my pronouns are she, her. I've been a member of the church for about 13 years. As people often do, I stopped coming for a while, but I came back to reconnect with the wonderful community here. uh, (laughs) Uh, The trans inclusion class brought home that being accepted when you fit into the unspoken norms of the existing group is different from real inclusion, which welcomes you as you are and allows people coming in to transform the culture with their differences. An exercise on UU norms was revealing assumptions about advanced degrees and financial security, NPR and recycling. I realized I was... (laughs) making assumptions I wasn't even aware of. Naming these aspects of our overall UU culture revealed barriers to some trans people and other visitors. I was also moved by the stories of people finding joy once they have transitioned. Having spaces where they can be included as their true selves is powerful medicine, and first UU could be that place. So today I invite you to open your hearts and minds, listen for places in the service that might reveal something new, challenging, or liberatory for you. In that spirit, would you please join me in saying our chalice lighting words on the screens as Daniel, Marie, John, and Lori Dadep light the chalice, the symbol of our UU faith. Flame, we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. My name is Evan Mahoney, and I use they, them pronouns. I'm here at U Bar U attending the genderful retreat for trans UUs. 
Our call to worship today is by trans writer and artist Alok Vedmanan. We want a world where boys can feel, girls can lead, and the rest of us can not only exist, but thrive. This is not about erasing men and women, but rather acknowledging that man and woman are two of many stars in a constellation that do not compete, but amplify one another's shine. This congregation has a mission. We worked on it all together, right? And so in every service, we affirm this mission statement. So let's do this together then. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. So the story we're reading today is called When Aiden Became a Brother, and it's by Kyle Lukoff, and it's illustrated by Kalani Juanita. Okay? When Aiden was born, everyone thought he was a girl. His parents gave him a pretty name. His room looked like a girl's room, and he wore clothes that other girls liked wearing. But as Aiden got bigger... He hated the sound of his name. He felt like his room belonged to someone else. And he always ripped or stained his clothes accidentally on purpose. (laughs) Everyone thought he was just a different kind of girl. Some girls had rooms full of science experiments and bug collections. Lots of girls didn't wear dresses. But Aiden didn't feel like any kind of girl. He was really another kind of boy. It was hard to tell his parents what he knew about himself, but it was even harder not to. Uh, It took everyone some time to adjust, clearly. (laughs) And they learned a lot from other families with transgender kids like him. Aiden explored different ways of being a boy. He tried out lots of names until one stuck. They changed his bedroom into a place where he belonged. He also took much better care of his new clothes. Then one day, mom and dad had something to tell him. I'm going to have a baby, mom announced. A baby, Aiden said. Does that mean I get to be a big brother? Of course, said dad, ruffling his hair. Aiden thought that being a big brother was an important job for a boy like him. He wanted to make sure this baby would feel understood right away. The baby needed clothes, so Aiden and his mom went shopping. There were so many choices. Would the baby like seahorses or penguins better? Are you having a boy or a girl, asked a lady. Aiden didn't like it when people asked if he was a boy or a girl, and he hoped the baby couldn't hear yet. He was glad when his mom just smiled and said, I'm having a baby. (laughs) The baby's room needed to be painted, so Aiden and his dad went to the hardware store. Dad chose a gallon of sky blue paint, and Aiden added a puffy cloud white. Are you excited for your new brother or sister? Asked the paint guy. 
I'm excited to be a big brother, Aiden said. The paint guy looked confused. Aiden could tell that he wanted to ask a different question and was glad to have his dad there. The big rollers were fun to paint with. This room feels just like being outside, Aiden exclaimed. He had always felt trapped in his bedroom before they fixed it, but his new sibling wouldn't have to feel that way. You're right, said Dad. Let's make some shape in the clouds. Every baby needs a new name, or just a name. Aiden loved getting close to his own, getting, Aiden loved getting to choose his own, but he remembered that it had been hard for his parents to let go of the name they gave him. He looked for names that could fit this new person, no matter who they grew up to be. Babies need someone to read to them. So Aiden practiced and practiced and practiced. Dad wanted to teach Aiden how to change diapers. Mmm, maybe later, said Aiden. <laughs> he decided that picking flowers for his mom was more important. <laughs> Two weeks before the baby's due date, Aiden started to worry. Maybe he should have picked different clothes. The blue walls might be too bright. He wished he could ask the baby which name they liked best. Mom came to tuck him in. Are you feeling okay, sweetie? She asked. Aiden put his hands over where he thought the baby's ears would be. Do you think the baby will be happy with everything? He whispered. I don't want them to feel like I did when I was little. But what if I get everything wrong? What if I don't know how to be a good big brother? Mom hugged him tight. When you were born, we didn't know you were going to be our son. We made some mistakes, but you helped us fix them. And you taught us how important it is to love someone for exactly who they are. This baby is so lucky to have you, and so are we. The next morning... Aiden found the boxes of his old baby pictures. He looked so different back then. It hadn't been easy, but he liked the boy he was growing into. Maybe everything wouldn't be perfect for this baby. Maybe he would have to fix mistakes he didn't even know he was making. And maybe that was okay. Aiden knew how to love someone, and that was the most important part of being a big brother. The end. And I hope you guys will continue making everybody feel welcome at this church, at school, in your neighborhoods. So awesome. Thank you for listening. Will you take a breath with me? I invite you to connect with God as you understand God. Your imagination of the divine or your deepest, deepest truth and inner wisdom, the earth, your ancestors. This is the time in our service where we center ourselves together. We breathe together in celebration of new babies, of falling in love, of song, new jobs, new homes, 
good news for our bodies, for our spirits. Breathing together, we also sense each other's loving presence as we live our way through struggles, addiction, divorce or estrangement, grief, unnamed shames, financial struggles, overwhelm, depression, just being tired. We breathe and know that we are in all of these joys and struggles together. We breathe to a place of deeper wisdom. I ask God, as I understand God, to please hold our members, Karen Cleary and Michael Kersey, in their traveling mercy as they travel to Cleveland, Ohio, for medical care. I ask the divine to send love to our own Karen Neely, and all those who love Jack Deloach, who died on May 23rd. A memorial service is planned for late July. I ask the Holy to hold Cindy Buggs, sister of longtime member Melanie Walter Mahoney, and the family, which includes me, in loving care as Cindy is in hospice after a year-long battle with brain cancer. I ask, spirit of life and divine earth, your care for our children and the staff of U-Bar-U as they arrive at camp today. And now we take some silence for the cares of your hearts. God, we know that even as we hold struggles that may seem political, they are so personal to some of us. And even as we gather as humans to create a community, each one of us comes here with individual needs. And I pray we find a friend, we find a loved one, we find a group at this church that we never go it alone. And I also hold in my heart the Uvalde families who have been holding a sit-in for an end to gun violence in Washington, D.C. May our hearts join with theirs. As the music begins, you are invited to light a candle, a light for whatever you are carrying with you, so the shared flames may lift our prayers, our hopes, our meditations into the collective all. Blessed be.
Good morning. <laughs> My name is Becca Brennan Luna. I'm a queer Chicana. My pronouns are she and her, and I've been a member of First UU since December of 2017. Recently, I was talking to my father about how, how I was going to participate in a class entitled Trans Inclusion in Congregations. He was confused. Why do you need to take that class, he asked. He asked me because I'm a member of the LGBTQIA community. I came out to him about 20 years ago. My wife is transgender. To my father, if, I'm, if those things are true and I'm a trans ally, I wouldn't need to take a class on trans inclusion. I reminded him that we can always learn something new. And I was really excited to learn some new things. For the class, we watched a series of pre-recorded vid videos over six Sundays and then discussed them. The presenters, Reverend Michael Slack and Sir Alex Capitan, were engaging and inspiring. And they were clear that trans inclusion also relates to dismantling white supremacy culture. As trans individuals themselves, one black and one white, they were able to provide their personal perspective from life in the UU churches. They spoke of creating safe spaces where queer people can access spirituality and stated that gender-neutral bathrooms and pronoun stickers were just the first step we as a congregation could take. They spoke of going beyond basic inclusion to radical welcoming and connection. And it was so meaningful to share and especially to hear from trans members of the church about what we all need to feel welcome. In particular, I still reflect back on our conversations about what to do if we misgender or misname someone in the church. I think the lesson is valuable because it can apply to any time we make a mistake with anyone in church or in life. And we're all human. We all make mistakes. I know I do. We can all be intentional and work to do better. When we make a mistake, we learn that it can be best to briefly apologize, quickly correct yourself, and move on. If we focus on apologizing too much, we are centering ourselves and, and our feelings rather than the trans person. Someone in the class also encouraged us to be willing to correct a person who misgenders a trans person in your presence. This point was especially valuable to me. As I said before, my wife is trans. Unfortunately, she does get misgendered in public. Depending on the circumstance, sometimes I correct the person and sometimes she does. But I know it does hurt her deeply when people make this mistake. Because of the lessons from this class and the reflections of other trans people, I was able to understand my wife's experience a bit better and learn tools for better welcoming people of all backgrounds. If we as a congregation are willing to open our minds and hearts to truly understand the experience of the LGBTQIA and other marginalized communities, then we can provide a safe and welcoming space for all. Good morning. I'm Leo Collis. I use he, him pronouns. I'm a cisgender gay man. And it was 20 years ago this year that I signed the membership book here at First UU. <clears throat> I, I, I wish all my relationships had such longevity. Uh, <clears throat> it was a great pleasure for me to co-facilitate the trans... Uh, inclusion course with Lisa Brown, and to see how invested everyone got into the subject matter. Folks engaged in a spirit of curiosity and fellowship. 
What I mean is that I got the feeling that we were part of something rather than looking into something. There were moments in the class where some heartfelt feelings were shared. It was emotional, there was humor, and there was real human connection. I don't think I'm going too far when I say that it was a spiritual experience in that our hearts were touched by both the material presented and by the experiences we shared with one another. If any of you have ever done a chalice circle, you may know what that feels like, getting to know one another on a deeper spiritual level. It's that tenderness that I think we all have when we feel comfortable enough to share and the expansiveness of heart when we hear our friends' stories of heartbreak and struggle. Going into this, the thing that I felt so vitally important was using the correct pronouns. But that intention became transformed into seeing a person the way they wish to be seen. It sounds simple, but it's more than just pronouns. I was helped to step outside my comfort zone of assuming I know what it's like to be an outsider as a gay person. I was taught to be more intentionally welcome, welcoming, more thoughtfully conversant, and less centered on my own assumptions of how life works for other people. One of the delightful takeaways from this class was learning from our trans friends about what's on the other side of the misunderstood and weaponized term gender dysphoria. Gender dysmorphia, pardon me. Dysphoria. Dysphoria. Yeah, sorry. Um, It's the joyous feeling of being free from internal and external oppression. It's the transformation called gender euphoria. Being happy within the gender or no gender one identifies with, perhaps for the first time, and being seen by others, especially in one's own community, in that life-affirming way. I become more aware that being a comforting and welcoming presence is a blessing, not just to those who need that spiritual gift, but to each of us in our own hearts. I hope you'll consider taking the Trans Inclusion course either online or when it's offered again. Thank you. Hello. My name is Glenna Williams. I'm a pleasingly plump transgender individual who uses he, uh, she, her pronouns. Uh, I am today wearing a fetching, somewhat over-the-top blue and gold dress that may be a little bit over-the-top for what people are used to, but not so much what people are used to seeing me wear at... uh, (laughs) At Jazzercise, my nickname is Sparkle. At Ballet Austin, I'm affectionately known as Glitter Bitch. So <laughs> I'll have you know that I think I've done justice to, to both of my nicknames by this particular outfit today. I am paying a price. These sleeves, notch sleeves, are driving me crazy. And I would not recommend wearing sleeves, notch sleeves to any of you deciding what you want to particularly wear. So I've been going to this church since 1987. Uh, Recently, I've been on a rotation of going to Live Oak 
and, and wildflower as well. Now, in 1979, Beacon Press, the UU publishing house, published the book Transsexual Empire by Janice Raymond. This book was described by Carol Rodell as having done more to justify and perpetuate anti-sexual prejudice than any other book ever written. Now, we obviously have come a long way, and that journey was fueled by the love and understanding of UU parents. They were able to listen to their children and able to go past preconceptions. Now, it was, however, a messy journey. It was not something that was simple, turning on a switch. My own journey was even messier, we believed. I was not able to summon the courage to say I am what I am until I was the age of 69. And at that time, I, I uh, did not, I, I was not able to just fully transition. Uh, that's one, it's not uncommon for, the, for people to transition at that at old age, at relatively old age. Second, it's not that uncommon to have to backstep from time to time. In fact, the instances of, of movies, memoirs are full of people moving backwards, having to wear inappropriate clothing at, at uh, funerals, things like that. Same happened to me. Uh, my sister had dementia the last few years of her life. I did not want to further confuse her. Moreover, my power of attorney was made out to Glenn Williams. I did not want to suddenly add this whole Glenna Williams into the mix. So I was not able to fully, freely transition until uh, November 9th of 2021 when my sister uh, passed. So that, that that was part of the delay, and it, it created problems. My transition was made much more difficult by the fact that it was during the pandemic. I ended up having to make you know, tell people on minister Zoom calls. That's not calculated to get people to take you seriously or to get the full understanding of, of why I was doing that. So uh, it was not, I, it, it was not a, a good experience for me doing the Zoom calls. As a practical uh, matter, people were misgendering me and mis, mis uh, naming me on a fairly regular basis, some accidental, but some, in my mind, very clearly deliberate. And I felt almost in a, a deliberate and almost relentless attempt to make sure people knew uh, that I knew that I was not totally welcome. Now, I actually contemplated leaving the church. I did leave the minister Zoom call. But before I left the church, I needed to go one last time to see Reverend Meg as she left and said goodbye. And as usual, Reverend Meg was wonderful. I think she knew that I was troubled by what I considered not the best reception from the church. She went out of her way to tell an anecdote of my time on, on the board, which it maybe seem almost heroic. And so after listening to her, there was no way I could possibly leave the church, the church after her kind and just so, so wonderful, uh, caring words. But I did vow to make every effort I could to make my experience different for others and make other people have a much better experience. So 
that's the reason why I decided to take the class. And it, I'm so glad I did. It was a great class. Uh, both Reverend Michael and, and Reverend, Reverend Alex went out of their way to encourage us to go outside of our comfort zone and to try to go ahead and to embrace discomfort. And I'm going to have you do that a little bit later in this, as we finish this up. Because I don't feel it would be appropriate for you not to have that experience of going outside your comfort zone. So let's just, um, just, just a tad of warning here. So um, Michael and Alex, they modeled joy. They modeled information. They, they modeled uh, inspiration. They sent us important lessons one of the important lessons was on the gender binary. The fact that to many people, you have a pink box or a blue box. And you've got to fit in one of the other boxes. doesn't matter if you're intersex, which, by the way, there are a lot more intersex people than Unitarians. So it's a, it's a large number. <laughs> and luckily, at the Capitol, we had some very, very dynamic speakers who talked about the hypocrisy about the Texas legislature and the way it addressed the intersex community. So we, we learned about that. Uh, we learned, I, I personally had to learn about gender dysphoria and the difference between gender dysphoria and gender euphoria. If I was going to be talking to staff members, I needed to know more about it. Even though I I had some experience, I was certainly much more than I needed to know. So, the, of course, there was carnage at the Texas legislature, and you can't get around that, but there were so many beautiful things that I saw. I saw my classmates going to lobby on behalf of our community. I saw members of the LGBT greater community lobby on our behalf. I saw Protestant clergy, Catholic clergy, Christian clergy, in addition to Unitarians, come in and, and speak on our behalf. Of course, there was singing. Reverend Aaron has always led us in singing, and it was wonderful hearing her. It was wonderful taking part in the singing. My favorite moment was when the Unitarian singers routed Alex Jones and the Info Warriors. What a wonderful day that was. I learned an important lesson to stop a bad person with a chant. You only need a good person with a song. And we had a lot more than one good person with a song. It was remarkable. Now, one of the uh, most moving and most touching things to me was watching the grandparents talk about how it was affecting their grandchildren and how many of them, many of the grandchildren would have to leave the state. They would lose contact on a regular basis with their grandparents, lose contact with their friends and children. And I had to remember the words of President Bartlett on the West Wing, don't mess with the grandchildren. Now, Patrick and Abbott, they don't have grandchildren, they don't know the fury that they are about to unleash. I almost feel sorry for them. Almost. <laughs> now, that West Wing reference comes to you in, in loving memory of Cammie Cornell. Cammie loved that show. 
God, she loved that show. God, we love and miss her. Again, I cannot think of all of the Unitarian parents of gender-fluid children without thinking of Cammie and the wonderful things that she gave to us. So um, I am going to go outside my comfort zone. I'm starting a blog that will, that will come up in, in the near future. Uh, now, this is outside my comfort zone. The closest I've ever come to anything like this was in fourth grade when I printed a neighborhood newspaper. And the and maybe a little bit of an exaggeration to call it a neighborhood new, a newspaper. It was a half page. It was on a toy printing press. And it had one story. It was about how I was a high scorer for the basketball team in our elementary school uh, uh, tournament. Now, I left out a few things. I didn't mention the final score, which was 48 to 3. We lost. Um, I also didn't mention the fact that I was actually trying to pass the ball to win a teammate when it went into the basket. But I got the main thing. The one time in my life I was a high scorer on a team that I was on. Never happened again, never happened before, but boy, I covered the heck out of that story. And the, and the neighbors that got that paper knew without any doubt that one time I was a high scorer. Now, there was only one issue of, of, the, um, of, the, of the, the, the neighborhood paper. Uh, this was a single elimination uh, tournament, and despite the narrowness of our 45-point loss, um, they weren't inclined to give us a second chance. And also, I didn't like putting those little... Um, little letters in that silver gizmo doohickey thing that you had to do. I did not, there may be a more technical term than silver uh, doohickey gizmo thing, but I didn't like doing it. So I stopped with my one episode of the paper. I had nothing more to write about. I obviously wasn't going to be high scorer again. Um, <laughs> that was played out. Now, I am hoping that people give my blog a second chance. In fact, I'm actually hoping to give it a first chance. Now, it, this is, again, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I'm going to need help, support from any, everybody. What I do want to do is to try to bring forth the uh, trans community allies and also to expand it to people who are just concerned with the fact that we have a very exclusive society, not an inclusive society at all. And that's one of the things I want to, to explore as I go through. In fact, that will be a, a regular feature uh, about the radically inclusive society. Now, what I also want to talk about and write about are commentaries. I want to write about the politics, what went well, what went, did not go so well for us. I actually even want to continue to com, can get some information from the pro-feminine uh, movement. Now, these are people... Uh, primarily women who are concerned with what our movement will might have on their, their hard won hard won rights. Now again, I, I'm I'm not trying to to lose sight of but I uh, of of our message 
as trans people, but I do want to make sure that we do the best we can to understand those concerns and see what we can possibly do to be, uh, to, to be inclusive and to be uh, able to mitigate things. Again, I want the church to be like my blog. I want both to be inclusive, inquisitive, welcoming, do all those things. What I really want for my church is to be able for everybody, trans, cis, straight, white, black, uh, abled, differently abled, to be able to say, I am what I am. And that's what we're going to force feed right now. And I know this is going beyond some of your comfort zone, but this is what I'm going to ask you to do. First, I want each and every one of you to uh, stand, if you're willing, able, body and spirit. So first thing we're going to do is I want you to imagine that you have just set the world record for the Boston Marathon. You've run it in one hour and 58 minutes and 37 seconds, over three minutes faster than anyone has ever run a marathon before. You're going to lift one hand up and then the second. So that's the feeling. Second, you're going to give your very best shimmy. <laughs> and then you're going to move your hands like this. You have just one dancing with the stars. And then the third thing, once prolonged, tumultuous applause, followed by complete and total uh, unrestrained glee. We have just won as a church game seven of the, wor of the World Series of Welcoming. We have won the <laughs> Meg Barnhouse Trophy, the most imp uh, important trophy, the most prestigious pro trophy that has ever been on the, now, no, the solar system. I mean, it's, we've won that trophy. So if you'll all please rise with me at this time, if you're able. And what I'd like for us to do, one hand, two hands. I am what I am. I am what I am. Clapping. Jimmy. Hooping, uh, hollering. I am what I am. Thank you, everybody. My prayer is that every single one of you experience euphoria in your gender and in your sense of self. And I thank you for hanging in there a little longer than some of our services go, although about as long as some of our services go. When I think about the centuries where only a cisgender story got centered in the pulpit, the centuries where only straight people and our stories were in our pulpit. So I thank you for every moment, and I thank you all for every truth. I invite you to say the words by which we extinguish the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. Here we go. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. For our benediction, I offer you the words of my friend and colleague, Reverend Zeb Green, pronouns they, them, the former uh, clergy serving our UU congregation in El Paso, Texas, now in Portland, Maine. 
Beloved Spirit, thank you for seeing, knowing, and loving us all in the full mystery and unfolding of our being. Through you, we remember that our souls yearning to know our true selves, true identity, and true loves is stronger than any conditioned voice of doubt. May we be blessed with the grace of support, all people exploring the ever-unfolding journey of self-discovery and pride. Amen, and blessed be. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.